powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Manners are making moves, so we had to bring in our guy, Seattle Sports' own Brandon Guffis, into the show. BG, how we doing? What's up? Good. Just uh, waiting on this Hawks coaching hire. Right. And, then all of a sudden, all? and then all of a sudden, Jorge Polanco's a Mariner, so it's, uh, it's definitely some crazy times right now. Well, welcome to the, the dad podcast. <laughs> Lots of dad energy yeah. here. I know you're, you're, not, you're a dog dad, so dog that counts. Dad, we'll right. take that. Yep, yep. We'll take that. Yep. He's got dad vibes. He's got dad vibes for okay. sure. Okay. Young dad I'll vibes. Take, I'll you're, take that. You're at, you're at the park with uh, the baby Bjorn on, you know, walking <laughs> laps and stuff. It's, it's your rite of passage. You must wear oh, the baby man. Bjorn. Yeah, that's right. But, uh, man, let's talk about these Mariners, dude. Okay. So um, the trade go, goes down yesterday, and uh, obviously doing research on, on Jorge and the thing we keep hearing are his injuries. Uh, we talked to Ryan Divish. He goes, look, the soft tissue, the hammy, that's something you got to be concerned about. But um, for once in a long time, I'm putting all my trust in the Mariners. Like, I'm going, look, you got your doctors doing all your research. He's a right fit. He's trained with Julio. What are the Mariners getting out of Jorge Polanco? Man, I'm a big Polanco fan. And when I was kind of thinking about the offseason, even before the Hanniger and Rayleigh trades, and I was thinking about guys that kind of – fit the bill of what they need coupled with who are actually realistic guys like Polanco was definitely one of those guys at the top of the list because switch hitter with power position of need he plugs into the middle of your lineup like he checks a ton of boxes they wanted to cut down strikeouts he's not a huge strikeout guy they wanted a guy that can work some walks he can work some walks veteran leadership was maybe something they were missing a little bit last mm-hmm. year this is a guy that by all accounts and reports that that you're checking out like was a heart and soul guy of of these Minnesota Twins teams and you know he was there for for 10 years he kind of saw it all in Minnesota so no I'm a I'm a big fan of it um on the surface probably a little bit of an overpay but I think that's mm-hmm. also just kind of the market it seems like it's a seller's market right now you're going to get a lot for it um and you know I know giving up a guy like Topa at the back end of the bullpen isn't necessarily ideal but if there's one thing that this Mariners regime is is known for and you should probably put your trust in it's that they're going to find one of these guys to go and become a all of a sudden a back end bullpen guy So they add Polanco yesterday. I'm looking at a projected 2024 lineup. I know you tweeted one out last night uh, at VB Gustafson. When you look at the 2024 lineup, what it could be, and what we know what the 2023 lineup was, who are you taking in terms of like which which lineup do you think it was better? Oh, this one for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're not having Tommy Lastella DH on opening day. You're wow. not having Tommy Lastella catching you're, strays. You're not, you're not having you know. <laughs> He's like, tuning in right now. Dil- Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty were starting games like 158 and 161 for you when you were. You mean in the, the AJ heart Pollock lineup, didn't do it right? for you last, no. night, so, last year? So I mean, it's. Yeah, Bump, you mentioned the injury history stuff. Yeah, that can't be ignored. Mitch Handiger, injury history. Mitch Garver, injury history. Um, But at the same time, I mean, if you're a guy on the opposite side of 30 and you've been in big leagues for however many years like these guys have, most of those guys are going to get nicked up and banged up. And like you said, the soft tissue stuff, yeah, that's a concern. Handiger's injury history stuff is kind of weird because last year people look at, oh, he only played 60-something games, whatever. Like The guy took a fastball to the arm and broke his arm. Right. That's not being injury-prone. That's having bad luck. Same with a lot of the stuff that happened to him uh, here in Seattle. Mitch Garver's putting the catcher's gear away. He's going to be an everyday DH unless something happens to Cal. Like You would think that at least of those 
those three, two of those guys should be able to stay more healthy than they have in the last few years. That's still a big if for sure. But if you're just talking about the upside and, and even the floor just between the two lineups last year and this year, I think that this year's absolutely clears what, what they had last year going in. Something we always hear from uh, the Mariners is that uh, they want a, more power. Right. Balls into play. You lose, not lose, you know, you let Gino go. Tay Oscar is gone. Kelnick is gone. Do they have that on this roster right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, Tay Oscar has more upside than a guy like Hanniger, but you've also seen what a healthy Hanniger can do. I think Luke Rayleigh to, to Kelnick is, like, very similar skill set-wise. They, they do a lot of the same things, but you're rotating so many guys in at these different spots. You had nothing at your DH spot last year. Second base really wasn't anything until Rojas kind of got hot for a three-week stretch, and you didn't get the guy until August. So th- it's a situation where I think that just – you know they're still going to be swing and miss. They're still going to be strikeouts. Julio and Cal and some of these other guys that that's that's a part of their game. But you couldn't have two guys with 200 plus strikeouts like Teo and Gino not contributing like they did. I mean Gino Suarez struck out 212 times, something like that, with a slugging percentage under 400. That's that's horrific. I mean at least guys like Schwarber and even Teo to a degree were able to hit the ball out of the ballpark a bit with those strikeouts to offset it. So it's it's a it's a better, more consistent I think lineup. Again that that health stuff is going to be. So, so important, but if you look at the lineup just from like a floor perspective, assuming these guys are healthy, it's they're in a much better place overall than I think they have been the last few years. When you saw that the Mariners were getting Jorge Polanco yesterday, uh, were you surprised at all that Brian Wu or Bryce Miller were not involved in the trade? Not really, because when, when I thought about a Polanco trade before it happened, I was thinking it was going to be... Teoscar Hernandez plus in terms of like, hey, you're probably moving a bullpen arm and a prospect. Obviously, it, it, it ended up being considerably more than that. And I think Polanco having the extra year of club control played a big part of that. But Polanco being a, a you know a 30 year old middle infielder with two years of control and also playing on a team that has a lot of young infielders. Eddie Julian, for instance, is a guy that that hit really well for Minnesota last year. Like They didn't really need Jorge Polanco anymore. It wasn't a situation where you were getting a guy that was really, really young in return or getting a more established guy that maybe had more years of control or that had like a clear fit on that roster. So I, I wasn't surprised that those two guys weren't, weren't part of it. Um, I was a little surprised they ended up giving up uh, Gabby Gonzalez, but I also think that you, you give up you give him up and you still have guys like Colt Emerson and Cole Young and Harry Ford and, and all these other hitters and, and the farm system is still in a pretty good place. And that wasn't necessarily the case a year or two ago. You mentioned um leadership. Obviously with Hanniger coming over, you get some leadership. You think with Jorge you're gonna get that as well. Right. Um I think they're gonna help kind of Julio figure out how to lead this team as well. It's hard being what, twenty two years old and be a, a leader of men. Um what do you see out of Julio? Are there any? Because when I watch football, right, I can I can see the guys on the sideline and on the field who are the communicators, who are the guys getting dudes lined up. Right. Like what what can I see out of Julio during the game that indicates okay he's maturing and growing up in this leadership position? Yeah, I mean it, it's hard because he's such an outgoing guy, so you already see him like right. really talking and interacting with all of his teammates. Like as far as the on field stuff, that that's gonna be harder to tell I think a lot of it especially with baseball just because it's such a grind it's 162 you spend so much time together you're on these road trips for weeks at a time potentially I think a lot of what that is going to be is ultimately behind the scenes um, having guys like like Polanco and Hanniger to lean on helps I also think that Cal Raleigh is very clearly emerged and is comfortable mm-hmm. in that role so is JP Crawford so having those guys kind of also just kind of get older with Julio it doesn't put 
all the pressure of him of like, hey, not only are you the face, not only are you the star, but you have to be the guy that everything revolves around. It doesn't necessarily have to be that for him, which honestly is probably a better situation in the long term when you really think about it. Right. Now, the guy to my right, he's a football sicko. Brandon, you're a pitching sicko. <laughs> I want to know from you, because Justin Topa's not here anymore. Right. Who is a, a a guy who could make a Topa-like emergence in this bullpen? Who's a guy that you are spotlighting? Oh, man. Like... Because there's a lot of names yeah. that people don't really know right now. I mean, Gabe, Gabe Spire is kind of already like that. I think Spire did a really good job kind of being that leverage pivot guy. I know they're really high on Taylor Saucedo. I'm still super high on Prelander Baroa. Just the two-pitch guy. Hey, I'm coming at you with upper 90s or wipeout slider. I'll, obviously, it's all, all about finding the zone. But they've done well with guys like that. You know, Munoz and Brash were two guys where when you kind of looked at the scouting report, it's like, if these guys can find the strike zone, they're going to be pretty good. Those two guys have done a pretty good job of finding the strike zone since right. they, they've uh, really kind of developed here. So I, I'm I'm big on Perlander Baroa. I think Trent Thornton actually kind of had a sneaky good season for them over, over the stretch. He was kind of a little inconsistent at first, but he's got pretty good stuff. Like, and then obviously I mentioned him earlier, Carlos Vargas. He was the, one of the returns in the, in the Gino Suarez trade with Arizona. He's another one of those guys, just big time, big time fastball with, with elite breaking stuff. And another guy that's like, Hey, if he finds the zone, he's going to be in a pretty good situation. So they, they have no shortage of options. That's for, that's for sure. Bullpens are already going to be fickle. And I think with, uh, with Topa in particular, being a guy that that was technically his rookie season, even though I think he's 32, 33, yeah, he 18 innings pitch. Yeah. Prior to because last year. And he had two Tommy John surgeries. I mean, if you're going to sell high on somebody like that's, mm. that's probably a pretty good guy to sell high on given the injury history and everything that comes with it. So now, BG, unfortunately, the Mariners playing the AL West. We all know who's here. <laughs> but fortunately, they play in the AL West. Right. You're going to be able to see the Rangers in Houston uh, more frequently. How much closer are they to these teams today? Yeah, I mean, neither of those teams have really done a whole lot this offseason. And, you know, if you're the Rangers, you feel pretty good about it. Cause it's like, hey, you're coming off your first World Series title. Like, you can't really do any wrong. But uh looks like they're still trying to get Jordan Montgomery back. I think that would be a big boost. I think both these teams have some big questions marks with the starting rotation I think both of them probably feel pretty good about their one through nine and, and who they have coming out but I think Mariners pitching wise assuming that those two young guys Miller and Wu can stay relatively healthy they they've got the best rotation in the division by far I think right now so that certainly helps them but I mean we saw Texas can just get hot and go toe-to-toe with anybody. I thought their pitching would be their undoing, but they're like, dude, we're scoring 13 runs in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they're not a team that you want to catch when they're red hot like the, like they were, and it seemed like every time the Mariners played them, they were really just feeling good about themselves in the lineup. So now they're in a good spot, and I mean, I, we, I think we've talked about it too. I think a lot of us in, in the offseason were like, man, the Mariners are so far away from these guys. They're in the ALCS. Like, they finished two games away from both those teams. Mm-hmm. Like They weren't that far off in a sense to begin with. It's just them having the, the playoff runs they did, Texas obviously winning it, I think made it seem like it was a lot more of a gap than it really was. It was flashier. It was it definitely was, it was a flashier, flashier car. It well, was. But, you know, you, you already, already beat me by a nose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brandon, a lot of pressure on Ty France this year to bounce back to not really his 2022 form, but really the first half of 2022 uh, when he was an all-star with the Mariners. Uh, what do you think Ty France is, is going to do this season? Because uh, there's just a lot of 
outcomes, I think, that are possible for him in 2024. Yeah, I mean, because if he hits like he did at the beginning of 22 or even just really the the majority of 2021 and you look at the lineup right now kind of projection-wise and he's hitting 7-8-9 for you, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself if you're getting that kind of Ty France back. I think that he might be the biggest, like, floor-to-ceiling guy for the Mariners and what they can be just because of his impact and who they added and just obviously him coming off such a, a down year this past year. Like, that was the worst pro season that he's had at, at any level. He just really, really struggled across the board. Um, you know, I'm not going to go out there and, and say, like, oh, you know, France is back, whatever, but, I mean, if if he's just a slightly above league average hitter, because he was a he was a below league average hitter for most of this past season. If he's an ab- of just a slightly above league average hitter, and he's hitting somewhere in that six, seven, eight, nine spot for you, you're probably feeling pretty good about the state of your lineup. The Puddle and Hollander have made it clear that um, they think they have what they need as far as the pin on the roster already. Right. And uh, naturally just being a Mariners fan and seeing their struggles is hard for me to buy into it. But then when you, when you actually look at it, it's like, okay, if there's anything they do, well, that is it right there. For sure. How confident are you in that they have their guy already? That someone who's going to emerge. Yeah. I mean, the, I, you feel really good about, about Brash and, and Munoz in the back end. And, and that's where a lot of it's going to start is those guys pitching the high leverage spots, getting the last three outs and, and whatnot. Bullpens are tough, you know, year in, year out. You see some of the best bullpens just completely implode the next year. It, it's so different. And it could be just, you know, any one given arm. Like Munoz could just go out there and after being a fringe top ten reliever in baseball, could just totally implode and not find the strike zone. They're the most it's the it's the most fickle part of baseball is bullpens and bullpen construction and bullpen management. It's really, really difficult, which is why the Mariners being as good as they have at it the last three years is is what makes it especially impressive. But They've got a ton of arms. Like you said, Bump, if there's any one thing you can kind of give the Mariners grace for, it's like, okay, they can identify pitching guys. They can they can get these guys into at least close to leverage type arms. I think that you feel pretty good about the guys that they have and, and what they and what they're doing, in part just because nobody expected Paul Sewald or or any of these kind of guys, like even like a Justin Topa, Taylor Saucedo, to go in there and pitch leverage type spots for this team and in mm-hmm. Sewald's case for three seasons, essentially. So I think that you know they should probably be fine but then again it's it's one of the hardest things in baseball is to predict a bullpen jerry depoto talked on our airways for the first time in a few months actually it's been a while since he's uh spoken anything jump out to you from what he had to say this morning just i the the justin hollander called the twins over a hundred times about polanco over (laughs) the last three years like that that's that's crazy and you know they're a it's a front office that has made it no secret that like if they have their eyes on a guy, most of the time they're going to end up getting yes. him, whether it's Colt Long, AJ Pollock. And obviously those are two guys that didn't work out very well. And Tay Oscar was kind of hit and miss and they'd had their eyes on him for a while. But um, I mean, just using the term perfectly fits. I, I think in a lot of cases I tend to agree because of the position of need and, and just his offensive profile and who they do and don't have in their lineup. So um, yeah, just how hard they'd been going at Polanco for so long, I think really kind of stood out to me. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if, if that was Justin Hollander's guy, I'm sure that he's feeling pretty good waking up today knowing that he got his guy and it's all official now. Well, you're our guy. 
Brandon Gustin. <laughs> BG, go check out his work. What I you have got going on? I have not called you more than 100 times. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no what, problem. What you, what you got? What you working on? Yeah, I mean, we're just keeping such a close eye on the Seahawks coaching search where we're we're hoping that uh, this gets wrapped up here in the near future. I'll be down at yeah, VMAC. whenever that, the next 24 hours, yeah, hopefully. hopefully yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll be down at VMAC for that press conference whenever that ultimately does happen, uh, assuming it's before next Wednesday when I go down to the Waste Management Open, which I know Bump here, a little jealous of. Uh, Extre- hella extremely <laughs> <Yeah>. jealous. <laughs> That is a bucket list type of thing. Every day you two are in the sports pit. You're you're talking about your trip, and I'm just kind of like, tell me more. Bring me. I need need all the details. I need you to send me updates every two hours. That's right, no, dude. It's it's gonna be super fun. (laughs) So no, just the the Seahawks coaching search. Um, you mentioned the Depoto show. He was back today. We have plenty of stuff from that. We have more in the tent coming from that too. So make sure to check it all out. SeahawksSports.com. He's our man, Brian, Brian, Brian. Brandon Gustafson. Hey, uh, four, two, five says nice haircut, by the way. So, <laughs> I appreciate you're looking that. Good, man. Sure. I appreciate, appreciate you, BG. All right, let's get to uh four down territory. Huh? This, this is four down territory going inside, inside the, the game. game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver, Michael Bumpus. All right, bump first down to you, which veteran wide out? do you think was overpaid on paper but felt ultimately that he was worth the price tag he got for one season yeah man if uh if i told you a guy who receives for 565 yards 35 catches and three touchdowns got paid 15 million you would call me crazy you're crazy and i would say you know what there is some crazy in there but then i'll also say it's odell beckham and he had more of an impact on the baltimore ravens than just his numbers he was serviceable right but you got a new offensive coordinator munkin from georgia you got lamar jackson who's learning to work from the pocket you have a young receiver in zay flowers who reminds Reminds me of Odell Beckham. He was just kind of like the glue that brought it all together. Obviously, he's not the quarterback. He's not the most important part of this offense. He's not Mark Andrews. He's not even likely the other tight end over there. But he's a guy who has been there and who's done that. So, uh, so yeah. Initially, you look at that number, you go, goodness gracious, 15 million uh, for Odell Beckham. I think his three touchdowns allowed him to get another million. But um, no, it's deeper than football. It's about the locker room. It's about the field. It's about preparation. So this year, he's gonna sign a new deal is going to be under $10 million. I, I can promise you that. But uh, for that one year of service, you got all the way to the AFC Championship game. I think it was worth it, but it will be uh, a different deal next year. Second down. Bump, what opportunity might Brock Purdy have here in a couple of weeks? He might have the opportunity to lead the charge when it comes to winning the Super Bowl for the 49ers. And how is he going to do that? Now, Debo Samuel's banged up with a shoulder. McCaffrey's banged up with a shoulder. And now George Kittle is banged up with a toe injury for the first time. Now, there a couple weeks are going to pass and guys are going to get healthy. But I want to blow this up. I want people to know that these three guys are banged up. So Brock Purdy has to be better than he's ever been, especially because he's going up against Pat Mahomes. I don't care if you have an all-star team. If you're a starting quarterback with three of your dogs who are banged up and you beat one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in the Super Bowl. Man, people got to put some respect on his name. So he has an opportunity, right, to grow his resume, to uh, silence all the haters out there. The jacked up part is, Curtis, he'll beat Pat Mahomes, and they still going to be hating on him. They're still going to be hating on him. That It is what it is, just because he's not physically as talented as that man over there. But, uh, no, he has an opportunity to uh, change the way a lot of people view him, I think, 
people have already kind of shifted their tone when it comes to Brock Purdy. I was one of them. I needed to see it for a full season. I got it for a full season. He was an MVP candidate. He's top six or seven when it comes to quarterbacks in the league. Statistically, he's number one in a whole bunch of categories, but he's got to do more. He's got to do more. He has a chance to do it. Third down. Bumped Stephen A. this morning said that Lamar Jackson choked during the, during the AFC championship game. He choked it away. Man. Do you agree or disagree? This is a tough one because he didn't play his best. Nowhere near his best. But he also wasn't put in situations to play his best. What situations am I talking about? Why is this man throwing the ball 40 times in a game? Why does Pat Mahomes have two less rushing attempts than Lamar Jackson? <laughs> two less as a team that ran the ball 16 times. They averaged about 31 per game in the regular season. Did, did Lamar not play well? He didn't. He played bad. You could feel it. You could see it. There was nothing good about his performance. Had a couple of moments, but other than that, nothing great. I wouldn't say he choked this situation away. I would say that uh, he didn't He didn't revive it. He, and as an MVP <laughs> candidate, sometimes when your team is choking, you got to do just enough to keep them in the game. The score was close, but when you watch and feel the game, it did not feel close at all. So, uh, no, he didn't choke it, but he didn't play his best. Fourth down. Bump, what would Geno Smith rather have than another Pro Bowl selection as an alternate? Well, big ups, Geno. Back-to-back Pro Bowler. Look at that, huh? It's an alternate, but it, it is what it is. Um, One, he would want a playoff win, that's for sure. Because if you get that playoff win, he gets $2 million. Now, Dang. if he got a pass rating for over 100 this year, that's another $2 million. If he completed 69% of his passes, that's another $2 million. If he threw for 30 touchdowns, that's another $2 million. And if he threw for over 4,282 yards, that's another $2 million. My man missed that on two, four, six, eight, ten million dollars he could have made on the side. But he will take a playoff win or appearance um, over that, I would assume, at least but uh, no he gets the pro bowl not and good for him yes it is an alternate but it still looks good on the resume um you pointed out that um uh there was an incentive to get into the pro bowl on his contract but it had to be voted in not an alternate so he would have missed out on that but no i mean i look at what gino missed out on and i go what could have been if the run game was on point at all times if that offensive line was doing his thing if gino had it uh had a, a hot start and not a slow start. What could have been? I'm happy for Gino. I'm glad he's being recognized in the Pro Bowl coming up. The Pro Bowl games have been fun to watch. But I look at all the things that he could have gotten, and I go, man, that's tough. I know the Seahawks would have loved to be in the playoffs and have Gino play at a high level. But when it's all said and done, they're looking at the books and say, hey, at least we saved $10 million and didn't have to pay Gino all that money, man. So um, great. Good year for Gino. Happy he's going to the Pro Bowl. There's some things he missed out on, and uh, we'll see him during the Pro Bowl games, though, man. And what do you – I love the Pro Pro Bowl games, the new format. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's better than what it used to be. Right? They, well, I mean, it used to be they didn't have them. Plus, it was like a – basically two and touch football game mm-hmm. except for Sean Taylor who took it too seriously <laughs> that one time and then changed everybody was like okay that's enough oh, that's enough man yeah can be killing guys in Hawaii <laughs> all right Sean Taylor uh, Sean Teasy we used to call him back in the day all right man we're almost done with the show man the second day of the dad podcast is real we're gonna finish with what I need to know so make sure you get your questions in 866-979-3776 but coming up next we got the hype train that is next on the bump and stacy show bump and stacy powered through the alaska airline studios on seattle sports here are your hosts michael bumpus and stacy rost
It's a beautiful Tuesday in Seattle. Cloudy. But you know what? It's about 50-something degrees out there. I'll take it every day of the week this time of year, Curtis. It beats the heck out of, like, when it was, like, single-digit temperatures. It was, like... 15 was the high that was just a couple weeks ago that was that was was, rude that was brutal that was rude mother nature (laughs) i don't appreciate you for that i will never forget that i'll never forget every year i'd look at mother nature i say how dare you how dare you but now it's time for hype train man let me tell you how this works all right what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put a statement out there and if curtis or matt matt you getting in on this Oh, get in on that. All right. Now, if they agree with it, they're going to say, look, I'm going to board that train. And Matt does a little noise. Boo that train. There's a train that goes to Monroe every morning at 430. I hate you. 430 wow. in the morning. Okay. I hate you. But that's blaring their horn. Blaring the horn. Wow. It ain't a hype train, but I wake up like hype train. I mean, like in a, in, a, in a panic real quick. But that's how the rules go. So let's get this thing going. Here's the first statement. The Seahawks will hire one of Dan Quinn or Mike McDonald. Curtis, you on? You off that train? I am boarding that train. All the other candidates just pale in comparison to those two in terms of just like what, how qualified they are. Where at Evero supposed to be pretty I, good. I, yeah, but I just, I think he's probably going back to Carolina as their DC mm-hmm. with Dave Canales. I mm-hmm. think that's a situation where Canales is like, I can't let this guy leave the building. I need help on the defensive side of the ball. This guy's a really good uh, DC. So I, I think Evero stays in Carolina. We saw Ben Johnson pull his name. I don't think Mike Kafka is going to be that guy. He is coaching right now at the East West Shrine Bowl. So the Seahawks, unless they send a contingency to wherever that is, because it's that's different than the Senior Bowl, uh, then I don't think Kafka is going to be interviewing anytime soon. I think this search is done this week, and I would hope that it's done tomorrow because uh, I'm getting, I'm at my wits end <laughs> talking about this coaching search bum. Oh man, I hire feel somebody. You. I feel you. So you are on that. I'm train. on this train, right. preferably Mike McDonald. He's on it. Okay. Matt, I know you've done extensive research on both of these candidates. Um, Watched a lot of tape on these guys. A lot guys. of tape. Oh, a lot of tape. You know their social security local number? tape grinder, Matt Nelson. <laughs> well, uh, here's, the, here's the hype train, Matt. Seahawks will hire Dan Quinn or Mike McDonald. I'm not going to board this train. You're not boarding. Wow. I think they're not going to hire a coach this year. Whoa. I think they're just going to see what it's like just without vibes. one. Just vibes, you know? Just everyone go oh. out there, do your thing. It's going to be like a player-led practice. <laughs> like, all right, all right, Gino, you got the offense. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, ah. still here. you got the defense. Let's think of later. Me, Percy, blow that horn. I'm on this train. I'm jumping on, man. I think that it has to be one of these two guys. It has to be. Now, I know people are going to be upset, some, if Dan Quinn. But what if Dan Quinn gets here and the vibes are immaculate and the offense is rolling and the defense looks good? So I'm not I'm not I'm not a big Dan Quinn hater, okay? But I would prefer Mike McDonald. Quinn is absolutely going to win the press conference. That's what everybody looks for when it's an introductory press conference. Who's going to win the press conference? Dan Quinn would absolutely do that if he got the job here in Seattle because like he's got head coaching experience before. He knows all the right things to say. He probably knows uh, to dap up the 12s a little bit, you know, <laughs> pat them on the head and, yeah, and thank yeah. them because 12s love them some 12s. They so do. I'll tell you they that do right love now. Them some 12s. They do. Next hype train. <laughs> like this one. The Mariners will add one more impact piece before spring training. Curtis, you on, you off. 
I would love to board this train. In my wildest imagination, I see Cody Bellinger in a Mariners mm. uniform. I don't think that's don't happening. Don't get crazy. Don't yeah, get crazy. I know. Don't get absurdly <laughs> crazy. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. If they added Cody Bellinger, I would say the Mariners become like AL West favorites. I don't think it's going to happen. All right. Um, I want it to happen in the worst way possible, but I don't see them adding another impact piece before spring training. So I will let this train uh, fly on by. Bump. I'm going, I'm going. I'm going to Matt. I'm going to the expert oh, okay. here. Okay, Matt. Well, I am boarding this train. Okay. Okay. Now, don't tell anyone, yeah, but I actually have the inside scoop on this. Okay. <laughs> Brian Roland Smith's coming out of retirement no! for this season. Wow. So, yeah, World Series bound. Impact. I like it. I like it. Um. I'm going to let it go by. An impact piece? No, probably not. You know they're going to add a piece who they hope can develop into an impact piece that they could uh, maybe throw at third base in that platoon or whatnot. But uh, no, I think, look, I look at the lineup the way it is now, and I think it's better than last year. And I think that's all we can ask for right now going into uh, spring training. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Next. Oh, I like this one. Is Pat Mahomes already a top five quarterback of all time? The man's been in the league six years, seven years. Is he already one of the goats? I am boarding this train. Ooh, let's go. Yeah, four Super Bowl appearances. Even if he loses, he's got two rings. Right. Uh, he is 28 years old and has just made it his annual visit. Uh, to wherever the Super Bowl location is. Like like Bucket. Yeah. I remember last year we had a Chiefs uh, person on prior to that game, and I asked him, like, do you ever get tired of, like, looking at flight itineraries this this time of year for the Super Bowl location? And they're just like, yeah, you know, that's just kind of what it is nowadays. It's like, man, I can't imagine seeing your team in the Super Bowl four times in a six-year stretch. And everybody thought after they lost to Tampa Bay, it was like, oh, well, maybe this is the end of it for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go and trade Tyreek Hill. Uh, you know, maybe this is Chris Jones's last year with Kansas City. Nah, they have been just the model of consistency in the NFL. And you kind of wonder, like, even if they lose, like, are they going to start to threaten what the Patriots did in the 2000s? Are they going to start to threaten, like, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's records? Like, this is, this kind of feels like, still the start of something in Kansas City. It does. It's crazy to think Because about. Pat Mahomes is so dang young. Matt, what do you say? I am boarding this train. He's boarding. Before this season, you know, he was whatever. <laughs> but with how many games Taylor Swift's been showing up at, he's definitely top five now. <laughs> Got you. Got you. I'm going, yeah, we're all on this train, man. I mean, it's, forget forget the Super Bowls. I understand, I don't think anyone's going to catch Tom Brady, not in my lifetime. Um, if Pat Mahomes has a chance to, he's got to win two in the next three or four years. And uh, I think that's going to be hard to do. But uh, as far as him individually, top five, easy. No questions asked. Yeah. Baller. Next up. All right, here's the next one. Geno Smith will be the Seahawks QB after February 16th. That is when the Seahawks have to make a decision on Geno. What do you say, Curtis? Yeah, so I'm boarding this train. You look at the options that are available in free agency on the trade market. I don't think any of them really touch what Gino can be, especially at the price point that they're going to have to pay him if they do uh, decide he's going to be their quarterback after February 16th. I think the smart move is to bring Gino back in 2024. 
and then maybe address that quarterback spot in the draft right. or next season really hunker down and say yeah okay now we're looking for our quarterback of the future um i i just think it would be pretty it would be a pretty rash decision to move on from gino after the season that he had i don't think he showed anything that was like grave of grave concern where it's like oh i don't know if this is a guy that can even get you like eight or nine wins no he would he had a good year again mm-hmm. i think it's worth bringing him back in 2024 all right curtis says yes the experts the guru matt what do you say uh, I'm not going to board this train. Mm, okay. He's actually going to be the head coach next year. Wow. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> you heard you it here right. first. You know what? He's staying true <laughs> to his other hype trains. I see the connection there. Yeah. That's the way to, That's how you put plays together. You know, that's how you put them together. Me, I'm jumping on the train. I'm with you, Curtis. And he has to be. He has to be. Even if you draft a guy, um, you don't want to have to throw him into the fire. Not when you have a prime DK, a Lockett, who's, uh, you know, back uh, on the back nine, but doing his thing. A young Ken Walker. There are so many young pieces here. You want to make sure that you can get the most that you can out of them now. And then if you do get a quarterback, allow him to grow and develop and learn from Geno. Geno's been through a lot. Ups and downs, smiles and frowns. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. Put some respect on Geno's name. All right, that was Hype Train. When we come back, it's what I need to know. Get your questions in. Guys, this is rare. I mean, it's the dad podcast, okay? There's a lot of things we can talk about. Fanny packs, uh, sketchers, new balances, um, turning off the light. Whatever you want, okay? Text it in 866-979-3776. That is next on the Bump and Stacy Show. Bump and Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. It is time for what I need to know. The text lines are popping right now. 866-979-3776. Get your questions in. I love the setup for this one, Curtis. This one goes from 425. What I need to know. Guy edition. Men, trucks, big screen TVs. Yeah. Now that they stop listening. Okay. What is your favorite smell? Candle, incense, diffuser. My favorite smell. I love the smell of cinnamon. Mm -hmm. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm walking by a Cinnabon, (laughs) I'm stopping. If it's like some Uh, kind of like bath and body work spray and it's cinnamon scented, I'm like... (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Churros. Love the scent of those. Yeah. Cinnamon is like my all time favorite smell. I like um, a vanilla scented candle. Yeah. Vanilla. Goodness (laughs) gracious. It just, it makes me think my house is clean. Even if my kids have torn it up, there's stuff everywhere. The vanilla just, it tricks my mind as to thinking everything's neat in here. Matt, what's your favorite scent? I almost always have a balsam candle lit in my apartment when I'm there. Okay. That woodsy smell. Woodsy, Ah. yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. All right. What I need to know. What's the manliest thing you've ever done? Uh, be a dad? Be a dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say um, cheer at a game or a bar and like connect with somebody I know nothing about. Like, let's go, yeah. you know, and just get hyped <laughs> and then go along with your life, you know? There you go. Like quick yeah. connection and then you're out of there. It's like you're you, gone. You guys shared that moment yeah. and he probably talks about you 
to his friends. Yeah, like, yeah I met this guy. We were, we were cheering on the same team. Yep. Never got his name. Got his Don't name. know him. Never see him again. You but. ever you ever been somewhere and it's maybe it's like husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, and you're like forced to be there and you talk to somebody for like 30 minutes don't get their name yeah don't ask about their family just uh-huh. whatever random thing that you talked about you dive in yeah definitely like that's happened to me i think on an airplane before uh-huh. where you strike up a conversation with somebody and you know you're sitting there next to them for two hours yep. but how often are you ever going to see somebody that you sit next to on an airplane again probably never probably never chances they're, they're are just gone where do they go where do they go we're, i think we're all going to the baggage claim but <laughs> they didn't they didn't come with me hey you get off you get off and you walk to the baggage claim and you're standing next to each other not one word yeah exactly don't know, i don't know you anymore i don't know you it's over it's over <laughs> i can't be seen with you what i need to know what drip from your childhood would you still rock today if Ooh. you could Drip. My drip was was suspect back. Like in my baggy day. shorts, maybe. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of do that around the house already. Yeah. My my kids make fun of me. I'm like, these are comfortable. Those um shorts that are hugging your thighs right now, those don't look those don't look comfortable. Yeah. I would I would go with um, you know, just just a just a, a nice white tee. You know. Here's one. All right. Baggy throwback jerseys. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Well played. My first one was uh, Warren Moon Oilers jersey. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing kids walk around school wearing like a Clippers Lamar Odom jersey. Right. And it's like, you don't even know who Lamar Odom is. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's a throwback jersey. Yeah. yeah. Would, you, would you rock him, Matt? Honestly, I feel like I still wear the stuff that I used to wear as a kid. Still wear shorts too often. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I'll be I'll dress like this the rest of my life. Matt's one of those people that wears shorts regardless of what the outside weather tells him. I live in Seattle. It's kind of what we do here. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw someone on campus in Pullman. It was snowing outside, snow on the ground, sandals on, no socks. Oh, I'm like, what, a, what is what going on sicko. here? Blue on mine. Blue on mine. What I need to know, 425, Prime Kobe or Steph? You already know where I'm going, so. Kobe's got a deeper bag than yeah. Steph. Yeah. Steph is the greatest shooter of all time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean. Kobe's got like a four or five inch advantage on him, too. Yeah. Yeah. I would take, yeah. I, if, if I was trying to win a game one-on-one, I would take Kobe over Steph. Yeah, because Kobe will play some defense. Yes. You know? they. I watched a game the other night. 10 oh, against the Lakers, actually mm-hmm. 10 seconds left. Lakers have the ball. They sub Steph out for defensive purposes. That right there yeah. lets you know that, uh, you know, that ain't what he does. What I need to know, uh, how much money would you need to wear an 80s headband around all day? Not a lot. I used to rock those in like 2000s. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I can do it. Sit here. Yeah. 50 bucks. Yeah, sure. I can do that. Make sure my my head is uh, nice and cleaned up. You know, we get to go. There's there's a lot of things I would do for <laughs> for not a lot of money. <laughs> Two hundred six. What I need to know. What is your favorite, Matt? You're starting this off. What is your favorite video game, past or present? Oh, this Man. is so hard. Now, remember we. We have to end in a couple of minutes to make way for Wyman and Bob. I could truly go the entire rest of the segment just listing ones of different categories. Favorite video game to play alone, Batman Arkham City. Favorite video game to play with friends, Halo 2. Gotcha. Um, Mine, one of my favorite games of all time, 1080. 1080. Oh, yeah, snowboarding? Yes. 1080. Yeah. Yeah. Another great snowboarding one, Stacy will. Oh, she loves. She'll yeah. say snowboard kids, which is wrong. 
SSX. Yeah. Tricky. Yep. That was a good one. Yep. Um, yeah. The Tony Hawk series, an incredible one. I feel like, though, the game that I played the most as a kid, like spent the most hours playing was like NCAA football, which like mm-hmm. that the, I may have to have the conversation with the wife this summer. Like, yeah. Hey, we might need to upgrade our system. Just listen. Like, <laughs> you understand. <laughs> I've got some four and five star recruits I need to talk to. Uh, I get that, like, the kids are crying right now, but I'm about to land this five star from Florida. Yeah, I I coach, you know, Montana Tech State, but like this is an important conversation you need to have. Very important. You think they'll have NIL in the new one? They should. Yeah. Make it as real as possible. Do you remember uh in the old NCAA football games, you could get suspended for like recruiting violations yeah, yeah. and stuff or, or yeah you know what's messed up if they put nil on that game they're gonna find a way to make it so that kids are gonna ask their parents like for v bucks that i get oh no they're gonna find yeah. a way like look man you can yeah. get this recruit just buy this 50 dollar car <laughs> that'll get you a hundred thousand dollar dollars in nil money don't do it don't do it uh what i need to know is there anything you like to rant about but don't actually care about that's, well, that's hard no, because cause... I feel like when you or I or Stacy rant about something, it comes from the heart. Yeah. It is not inauthentic. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Rant yeah. about something that you do not care about. And I feel like that's kind of like what Skip Bayless does. And it's you can see right through it. Yeah. So I personally do not have anything that I could rant about that I don't actually care about. No. Nah, only time I would even think about that is if... Uh... Like my best friend is just being annoying and I just wanted to poke at him. I can get passionate about something I don't care about just to get on his nerves because he's my best friend. And I don't have siblings, so that's all I got. I just go after my, my best friend. We just go back and forth. So that's what we got. Uh let's go. One more, one more. Um, 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 okay, dads. What's the optimum temperature to set the thermostat at? I'm going sixty-eight degrees. Sixty-eight for sure. Matt? Sixty-seven. Wow. <laughs> Is it really or just saying that just to mess with us? A little bit of both. All right, there we go. There we go. 68 and 67. You don't touch the thermostat. And yeah. you know what? We're done for the day. The Dad Podcast. Two days in a row. It's been fun. I'm Michael Bombas with Curtis Rogers. We got Matt Nelson behind the glass. Coming up next, you got Wyman and Bob. Stay tuned.